When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you know that one in six Northeast Ohioans struggle with hunger? Many people in Northeast Ohio are forced to make tough choices. Unexpected expenses, prescription costs, and rising heat costs are all things that can prevent people from being able to put food on the table, and they are forced to make tough decisions, which often results in hunger. But you can help. Each dollar that you donate to the Harvest for Hunger campaign will result in four meals. So donate today by visiting harvestforhunger.org. Help feed your neighbors. Cleveland.com is a sponsor of the Greater Cleveland Food Bank's Harvest for Hunger campaign. Welcome to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. It is Thursday afternoon. Chris Fedor, Joe Varden with you. Cavs even up the series against the Indiana Pacers 1-1 as they head to Indianapolis for Game 3 Friday night. Uh, Joe, obviously, going into the game, there were a lot of questions about what the Cavs would do, what changes would they make. Uh, Ty Lue decides to go with a completely different starting lineup. Kyle Korver, uh, J.R. Smith in the place of Rodney Hood and Jeff Green. Just your overall thoughts on the move that Ty made. Well, uh, I I liked it for a few reasons. One, um, it's just from totally, like, superficial stupid, you know, personal, silly me perspective. I like I like to watch the lineups that are the most fun. Okay. You know, I feel like those those five, um, you know, arguably are like the most fun guys they have to watch. Like, at least four of them can get hot uh, and, 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 you know, put the ball in the hole that you like and they can bomb a bunch of threes, which is fun to watch. Um, and then, you know, from a basketball perspective, I, I, I thought it was the right thing to do. And, you know, you and I have talked about this. Um, it made what they had been doing to Kevin harder to do. Right. It, it put Indiana in a really bad spot with LeBron. Um, you know, because you have to do something with those shooters. You have to stay with Corver. Um, and, you know, LeBron just really took it to him, especially early. So I really like that. And um, they didn't get killed defensively. Now, you know, we have to say that Oladipo did miss most of the first half uh, in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. But but still, you know, the Cavs have shown all year to um, be able to let anyone score on them at any time. And uh, and they didn't get killed. So, um, so I like the creativity. Um, I think this is the start. Uh, I think this is a good start. You know, there's a lot to not like about what's gone on so far in the playoffs, but if you go back to what a lot of us were saying before, which was, look, this team didn't get any time to gel during the regular season, and they were probably going to use the playoffs to to do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so this is what that looks like. I mean, you know, does it mean everything's going to be okay? No, but... uh, you know, they they found a lineup that they think can work, and now they're going to get some time to try to, you know, bring that group together and, and get the bench going. And you know, they they did what they had to do; they got to win. So, um, I, I thought I thought it was a good start. And to add two more things to that, I thought the fact that 
Um, they had a starting five with four guys with playoff experience with this group. Like Kyle Korver, even though he hasn't won a championship with the Cavs, he was there throughout the entire Eastern Conference playoff run last year into the NBA Finals against Golden State. So he's more of a known than a guy like Rodney Hood or Jeff Green, at least with this group surrounded by this talent. So having those four more known commodities in the starting five, I think, allowed the Cavs to get off to a better start. It was more familiar for everybody um, at times when the Cavs uh, have struggled or they have hit adversity. They have often leaned on the familiar, going back to the style that has worked so well for them or lineups that, that have worked so well for them. And I think the other thing, Joe, is um, coming into the playoffs, a lot of fans were questioning Ty Lue. Uh, they didn't like what he did throughout the course of the regular season, and I think some of the criticisms were absolutely fair. Um, at the same time, like, I think one of the things fans were worried about, would Ty be too loyal? Would he stick with something too long? Would he be willing to make a change when it was obvious that a change needed to be made? And about two weeks before the postseason, he decided that he wanted Jeff Green in the starting lineup. And he gave all the rationale. He's more versatile defensively, wanted another ball handler, wanted somebody to defend Oladipo, whoever it was going to be that was the best um, offensive player uh, for the other team. And and after one game, seeing how bad things went for the Cavs in, in game one against Indiana and, and how Jeff Green was such a big part of it, um, I thought Ty showed a lot of flexibility being willing to make a bold change um, after just seeing one game in the postseason. I think you have to be flexible as a head coach this time of year. I mean, I think that's absolutely right. Uh, you know, Ty... Ty has haters, and, you know, it's, I mean, you should never gauge what uh, the the true size of an audience or or the the true temperature of the electorate, if you will, by Twitter. Right. Um, Right. It's such a vast, small minority, you know, vocal minority, you know, worst of the worst kind of the things some of the people say on there, but, you know. The, the fact still remains those people um, just out, just go out of their way to, to bang on five. Yep. And um, you know, I mean, he's not without his faults. He has had a he hasn't had a great year. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but he, the, it's very it's, it's rare. I would almost say, especially for a three time defending champion to lose a game in the playoffs and all of a sudden change almost everything that they do. Yep. Um, and and he, he did it. And so, like you said, that, that really, he deserves credit for that, especially since it worked. Um, he did move off of, he did move off of uh, Jeff Green, somebody that he's close to personally. Yep. Um, and then, you know, the, the other thing is, um, it, it's, again, I mean, you don't want to do backflips yet because you can you can explain away some of it, but the fact remains is that they, they have kept the Pacers under 100 both games, and that's something that they hadn't done since December 4th and 6th. Yeah. That's a long, that's a, excuse me, that's a long time to <laughs> <laughs> give up 100 points or more every night. Uh, so, so they're doing something right defensively. That means Ty's more involved um, in the schemes, and uh, so yeah. So a good early mark for him. 
Yeah, and his starting five that he picked last night, George Hill, J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver, LeBron James, Kevin Love, um, plus 21 in 16 minutes. And I know a big part of that was LeBron and how brilliant he was and just going supernova. Um, but a reason why he was able to go that, that route is because of that starting lineup. Because, as you mentioned, Indiana had to pick its poison. And they decided at the very beginning of the game that they were going to stay attached to shooters. And that uh, created driving lanes for LeBron. That created lanes that he didn't have in Game 1 because they had nobody that they could help off of. They had nobody that they could sag off of. So yes, LeBron James was fantastic in the first quarter scoring 20 points. Um, but I think you have to ask yourself why and what was different from Game 1 to Game 2. Obviously mentality, obviously attitude. But the guys that he was surrounded with uh, dictated in large part um, how he was able to approach and attack the Pacers. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, there's something I've been chewing on all day. Sure. And I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out how to put this into words. Um, and if I can, maybe I, I will. Uh, <laughs> but but, the, but the, the basic idea was is that, um, you know, through two games, when you really look at it, the only guy that's putting up decent numbers is LeBron. Yeah. Um, you know, Kevin's been good on the glass, but he's not shooting it. Uh, you know, and then you're really concerned because the bench has been bad. And outside of Kevin, and then I guess Corver uh, in this game, you know, JR in the first game, um, you know, you, you don't have anybody outside of those three, three and a half players that, that is scoring the ball. So you say, well, this, this has to change if, if they're going to survive, which which absolutely is the case. Um, more players need to play better. Mm-hmm. But I, but I don't, I, I don't think that the alarm should be sounded because LeBron scored forty six and they only won by three. Mm. I feel like I feel like they they intended for him to score forty six. Like this, this wasn't a night where everybody else thinks until LeBron swoops in and and saves them in the second half. Like. He scored 20 of the 33 points in the first quarter. That that was the idea. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't room in the first quarter for guys to get off. Um, you know, I think Jordan Clarkson took, I, I mean, he certainly took less than eight shots. Jeff Green had three shots. You know, I mean, he's been totally ineffective, but he, 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 didn't, he didn't have, like, the opportunity. Uh, you know, LeBron's usage rate was over 40%. Mm. Um, so, I mean, again, the idea was for him to be great. So, um, if if one of these, so, so to me, this means two things. It means the one, the guy that is not taking advantage of his opportunity is Kevin, because mm-hmm. um, he took sixteen shots, I think, the other night or last night. Yep, and he only made five. Right. That's a, so, so he's the one. Like he's the guy who is consistently not taking advantage of his opportunity. If he does, if he gets back to being more Kevin, and then you can just find a way to open things. Up. To, to, to have one more guy get going, um, then you're you're okay. So, you know, everybody is correct in saying that, that what we're seeing now isn't good enough, but I, I, I just feel like they drew it up for LeBron to dominate this one, mm-hmm. and, you know, they're not that far off from getting one more guy to, to get going. Now, who that is, I, I'm not sure, and, and maybe that's your problem that, 
you know, you're this far into the season and you just don't know who else you can count Do you think they can count on Kevin Love in this particular role, in this particular matchup against Indiana? I keep going back and forth on this, Joe. Well, um, I mean, I, I, I think so. I, you know, he, these shots got to fall for him, right? I mean, he's, he's getting the looks. I don't think most of them are, are that bad of looks. Uh, you know, those threes he missed the other in game one were, were open. Right. Just didn't, just didn't knock him down. Um, so, so I, I think he can, but I, I mean, the point is well taken. Um, this is his first shot at being the number two guy in the playoffs. Um, Kyrie obviously flourished in that role, dominated in that role, um, unstoppable in that role, really. Yeah. And, and Kevin so far has not been that way. Um, he's also going to have to pay, play through some, some pain. He's got a couple bumps and bruises. Um, so that's not his favorite thing to do. So, you know, we'll see. Um, they, I don't think they need him to be right to win the series. Uh, they need him to be out there probably. And then, you know, he's got to be able to find it when they get deeper into the playoffs. Hmm. I, I had such a weird feeling after last night's game. Um, you know, the Cavs, even up the series, they had such a great performance from LeBron. It, I mean, in a way, if you needed a reminder, it was a reminder of LeBron's greatness and like the advantage that the Cavs have over every other Eastern Conference is that guy. Um, Joe Gabriel, who covers the team for Cavs.com, always says the Cavs have the nuke um, and they can unleash it at any point. But at the same time, I left that game feeling less confident in the Cavs' chances. Like For the first time last night, Joe... I honestly felt like Indiana has a chance to win this series. And going into it, I felt Cavs in five. I thought they were the better team. They have more high-level talent. Um, There were more weaknesses for the Pacers that the Cavs could exploit in a seven-game series, digging into the opponent, all of those different things. I did feel like the Cavs would find a lineup that worked. I think they did last night with their starting five. The LeBron and four shooters is almost too much for every team in the NBA. Um, uh-uh. But yet, you know, you had that performance by LeBron. You you win the three-point battle by 15. You shoot around 40% from three-point range. Like, so many good things happened for the Cavs. And yet, I left that game thinking Indiana's got a chance to win the series. And I did not think I would get to a point in the first round where I felt like the Cavs were that vulnerable. That's interesting. I mean, I, I know that you're not the only one who's left feeling that way. I think maybe I feel better after game two just because um, game one was, was so ugly. Right. Uh, and I think I think that's where my expectations were adjusted because I, I like you, and I'm like like many others, had um, Cavs in five-ish, you know, and and uh, and then when you when you saw what Indiana was capable of in, in Game One, you know then then you start to realize well maybe you gotta you gotta dig in here. But I just I thought that last night underscored the basic thing that if LeBron that that Indiana is not good enough to beat LeBron if LeBron so chooses. Mm-hmm. Um, he all he all but admitted that he kind of went into Game One more curious than than uh, taking ownership. You know he he was looking to see how these other guys responded. And if you think if you think back to the first game, um, the first playoff game for Kyrie and Kevin mm-hmm. in twenty fifteen, 
if, if memory serves, and you know, remember in those days, <laughs> I was I was only supposed to be watching the Bronx. I don't think his numbers were that great in Game One against Boston. Okay. Um, and and I like he kind of went into it with the same idea, like how are these kids going to respond? And they responded great. Kyrie was there. Kevin was there. Actually, I think Kevin didn't have that good of a game, but but uh, but I think Kyrie did. Tristan did. And um, you know, LeBron was like mid twenty points, that kind of thing. And so he kind of went 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 into it with the same idea here. And uh, it totally blew up on them. Um, so it changed. Uh, they ran every play for him in the first couple minutes. He's got a lineup around him that he trusts more. Um, and it worked out. I just think that if he plays, you know, not, not to score 46, but if he just plays in that same mode, um, that enough enough players will catch that, that they'll, they'll win. And maybe it'll be six games instead of five. But I still do like the Cavs here. First of all, your memory is fantastic, by the way. Do not sell yourself short, because I just pulled up the box score. Um, in Game 1 against Boston, that year that you were talking about, LeBron played 42 minutes. He scored 20 points, 8 of 18 yep. from the field. Yep. Uh, also had five turnovers. Yep. Uh, Kevin Love, in that same game, uh, 5 of 14 from the field. Uh, yep. 19 points, 12 rebounds, and Kyrie Irving uh, in his playoff debut, 30 points on 11 yeah. of 21. Yeah, I did. I, I thought that was the case. And then I just, right, so Kevin missed a bunch of shots, but still double double. Um, and so LeBron was looking to see what they would do. He left feeling much better about things. Um, and it took him a while to actually get going in that series. Uh, you know, LeBron knows he can't do that now. He, yeah. he, he ran the same test, didn't work out like it did before. Um, and now, you know, that's what I think cause you, you talked about it and I wrote, I wrote about it as well. That one of the, the main things about this lineup change is that again, they're, they're going with the guys that LeBron knows he can trust yep. and, and that Ty knows he can trust. George Hill doesn't necessarily count in there. I mean, he's got a, a career that's been pretty good, especially in the playoffs. He's been there a bunch, but he hasn't been very good since he's come to Cleveland. But, you know, these other four, I mean, you know, LeBron plus the other three guys are people he's been to battles with. And so I like that. I, I like surrounding LeBron with as many people as you can that he, that he thinks he can count on and, and try to go win as many games as you can with those guys. And the difference is, and obviously we've talked about this so much here on the podcast, the big three era is gone. But when you're talking yeah. about deep playoff runs, um, it's not always about do you have the best player on the court. Sometimes it's is your second best better than the other team's second best, and is your third best better than the other team's third best. You know, the thing that the Warriors accomplished that makes them maybe even unstoppable is the fact that their two best players – both of them, you can argue, are going to be better than any team's one best player. And it's just amazing yeah. to think about Steph Curry and Kevin Durant on the same team. And, like, who has a second option like Steph Curry? Nobody. And you could argue that right. he's not even the second option. Maybe it's Kevin Durant, but then you have the same conversation. Who has a second option like Kevin Durant? <laughs> like, right. it's, it's unbelievable to think about that. So if, if we look at it from the Cavs' standpoint in this playoff run, 
Like, who's the third guy? Like, I keep coming back to that, Joe. And I don't know that there's... I don't know that there's a good answer. Uh, Last night, it was Kyle Korver. He scored 12 points, 4 of 8 from the field. But, like, should the Cavs expect that kind of consistency from Kyle moving forward? Is there somebody else that maybe has gotten off to a terrible start here in Game 2? That, that you think has the ability to turn it around and be that third guy? I mean, I think the way I look at it is um, because they traded away their guy, their other guy who can make a difference on his own, right? Right. Um, right. And so now what they have to do is they have to, as a unit, make themselves as as unguardable or as complicated to guard as they can. Okay. And that, that's another reason to like this lineup is just, you know, you've been talking about it, LeBron plus as many shooters as you can. Yep. That, that, that is the formula. Now, will, will JR stay consistent, as consistent as he's been since middle, middle of March when he's shooting like 42% from three? Well, that, that's the hope, um, you know, Corver as the starter this year, his numbers are great. Like, I think he's averaging, uh, if you count the regular season, uh, I think he's got five starts now, and he's averaging about 15 or 16 points a game. Mm-hmm. Three-point shootings, like, through the roof in, in his four star, five starts. Um, so it's possible, and, and this is what you would want to do. Um, I guess you could argue that it took, that uh, injuries and circumstance made it this made it take this long to get to this lineup and it could fail but, but this is the idea this, this is a group that's tricky to guard um, you know now they just got to figure out how to get one or two guys off the bench going um, you know Jordan Clarkson has been totally totally non-existent right and Jeff you know Jeff Green two points in two games that's just that's not going to cut it do you believe that this this team internally and LeBron James specifically, do you believe that they believe they can win a championship this year? No, I don't think so. But but I also I don't think that it would be good for anybody right now to be sitting there gauging their chances for championship. Okay. Um, because they're just not they're not there right now. Like like when you mentioned the Warriors, the first thought that popped in my head is oh my god like that like, they are nowhere they're not in the same you know right state right with, uh, with them in, in terms of of that but but like that's not where the Cavs are in their development like they need to, to do everything they can to win this series and if they do that things will have happened that'll make them a little bit closer a little bit better of a team and then if you take those things and apply them against Toronto and you win a game or two on the road there and win that series, now you have momentum and you know the guys that you can count on. Mm-hmm. And so if you assume health and you assume all those other things, then I think some belief, you know, some some of their confidence levels and belief in a future would, would change. Um, but I think if you sat them down now and said, do you think right now you can win a championship? No, I just... I just hope that they're not thinking that way right now. Do you like think they're not thinking about it at all? Do you think they think they can get to that point? Uh, 
See, like I wonder about that, and and I don't right. I don't want to read too much into body language and stuff like that. But even after last night's game, there are a lot of people annoyed. They were scowling. They were angry. It just didn't feel like a team that had won game two, evened up the series one one, and was brimming with confidence going to Indiana. Um, on the other side, like Indiana was was looking at last night's game, and even Nate McMillan said it after the game, the Pacers head coach, he said, we feel after tonight we can win this series, we can beat this team. Um, and and I don't want to read too much into LeBron's body language or things like that, but, but this is a guy who has won multiple championships. He knows what it takes. Um, he knows the level of competition that the Cavs are going to face as the playoff series goes on. And... It wouldn't surprise me if, as a human being and a competitor who has been to the very top, would look at this situation and this roster and say, I, I, I just don't have enough. There's not enough here yeah. for me to do this. Well, sure. And I mean, and, and I think that would be a natural, a natural reaction. I think that's what uh, certainly was his takeaway from, from game one, and I think that's what he was worried about going into the playoffs. Um, but these, these playoffs are so long. Uh, right. I mean, and, and NBA games are long, and, play, and series are long, and playoffs are long. And un, until someone beats LeBron four times, there is time for him to play like he did uh-huh. and for enough guys to get it together to, ch- to start to change hearts and minds. So it's like, if you want to drill down on this right now, does it look like they can win a championship? No, it does not. Does it look like they think they can win a championship? No, it does not. But there is time to change this. And, you know, I was talking to some of their people um, this morning, and and I just asked, why was everybody so grumpy after last night's game? And, and you know, th- their point was, well, because we, we thought we could play better. Mm. And I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it's really people so upset because, they just don't see it. Uh, the team's about to fall apart like it did in January. Or if it is, like, hey, we're tired of playing crappy uh, in the playoffs. And, you know, what we did again tonight was largely unacceptable by number of individuals. So, you know, just, there's a lot of time. LeBron's here. There's, there's time to change the thinking on this. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned earlier the Cavs bench. Like, this was a strength of the team throughout the course of the regular season. One of the highest scoring bench units in the entire NBA. And I looked at the numbers last night, Joe. Through two games, uh, the bench has scored a total, a total of 47 points, right? They averaged around 41 for the regular season. So if, if if the Cavs could pick one guy from that second unit to like turn things around moving forward in the series for Indiana, and it would have the most importance to them winning this series. Which guy do you think they would pick? Which guy do you think they would think getting more out of this player uh, would give us the kind of results that maybe you're talking about there? I, I think Clarkson. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sure they would, I'm sure they are, Stunned and saddened and disappointed by what they've gotten from Jeff Green so far, Oof. but Clark, but Clarkson, um, you know, even up until about the final week of the regular season in Cleveland, has always shown himself to be 
a dynamic scorer off the bench. <laughs> and he certainly was that in L.A., albeit on a bad team. Um, but that, that's who he has been, and it's just not its not happening right now. So I think I think that would be, that would be, uh, Clarkson would be one, and, and Green would be two. Um, you know, they, they traded Dwayne Wade for, for literally nothing. Um, and, and the idea was that he just wasn't going to have the opportunities that, that he came here for, from a playing perspective. But, you know, the way things are shaping up now with, with who they are starting, because if you think about it, like, Clarkson was either playing next to Corver or JR. So that gave him a spot-up shooter to give him some room to kind of do what he did, flashing and getting the hole. Now he doesn't have any spot-up shooters, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but that's going to be tough for him, uh, I think. And I, I don't know what they're going to do to address that. But, you know, it, so if you, if, you, if you had a guy that you could count on for points and shots and that kind of thing, um, that would be more comforting. But yep. he plays in Miami now, so got to be Clarkson and then Green, I guess. Time for the Q&A session of this. Uh, asked earlier for people to send in some questions on Twitter. They have done that. We have a handful of them. Joe, you ready? Yes, sir. Okay, Thomas, on this same topic of Jordan Clarkson, says, Hey, you guys, would it be a good idea to get Clarkson out of the rotation at this point? If so, who do you think uh, could step in to replace him? Well, why don't you take that one? I just yeah, yeah. hammered on it first. No, I don't. I don't think I'd take him out of the rotation if if the Cavs are looking to cut from ten down to nine or uh, whatever the case may be. I think as much as we have talked about throughout the regular season, Jose Calderon, his importance. I think the playoffs have shown that um, it might be a little bit too fast, a little bit too athletic, a little bit too big for Calderon. I think they've been mm-hmm. awful with him on the court. So if they're looking to trim down the rotation, I'd take him out of the mix and give his minutes to somebody else. Good idea. Um, this one comes from just asking, what is the next adjustment for the Cavs to make? K-Love can't be expected to be the next big lift if he's not 100%, and the Pacers will bounce with adjustments of their own. What's the next adjustment they need to make? Well, I mean, you just talked about one from a from a lineup perspective. Right. Um, you know, I... <laughs> I, I from a, from a schematic thing, um, you know, you're going to see, you know, Old Depot's not going to be in foul trouble like that again. Right. But then again, neither is George Hill. So um, the Cavs may have a little bit more consistency with their rotation and their their lineup. I mean, from from an actual X's and O's perspective, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what else you'd want to do differently. I mean, Old Depot was nine of eighteen. I, did they blitz him more? I mean, I know that's something you watch. I, I, yep. You know, what, what would you what would you say that you would do different? I would never switch a big onto Oladipo. I would stop doing okay. that. Um, I thought they did a better job of that in Game Two because J.R. Smith fought his butt off to get around those screens and make it so that they didn't have to do that. Um, and George Hill, I thought, did a good job of that when he wasn't in foul trouble. So I would start by never switching a big guy onto Oladipo and allowing him to work one-on-one in that matchup. And the other thing that I would do, Joe, I would make Miles Turner guard somebody. 
like seriously <laughs> he did at the beginning of the game um last night like he was connected to Kevin Love because of the lineup change it looked like it had Indiana kind of out of sorts with their matchups but as they started to get more comfortable with the Cavs change and the adjustments that they made in the second half like he never had to guard anybody so it allowed him to roam off of the guard they put him on a guard oftentimes and I think the Cavs have to um, they have to use their own guards, whoever it may be, to go at Miles Turner at times to just make him have to guard somebody so that he can't roam around in the paint and make things really, really difficult that way. Um, well, what, do you, what would you think about, um, and this is a way they could do that because of the, the kind of player that he is, uh, if he's playing right, what would you think about um, a lineup that had LeBron and the three shooters, and then Clarkson instead of instead of George. From a from an offensive perspective, what, what do you think about that? From an offensive perspective, I think it makes sense, provided Clarkson is somebody who is knocking down outside shots, and it's somebody that the defense feels like, okay, we've got to pay attention to this guy, you know. But um, if he's not knocking down those outside shots, and they feel like his entire game is driving to the basket with blinders on. Um, I think it kind of plays into Indiana's hands a little bit. It's all about him knocking down those shots, though. But in theory, I think it makes sense because it could also allow LeBron to operate from the elbow or in the post and kind of dictate what it is he wants to do offensively. Right. They just, they, I mean, they, again, you, they, you already took your bombers away from the second, from the second unit. Exactly. Fine. So now you, you've got to have somebody who can put it in the hole. That's got to be part of it. Yep. Um, let's see. This one comes from Chum. He says, does Ty Lue really have a clear game plan, uh, game plan to defeat the Pacers, or is he just going to rely on LeBron over and over and over again? See, I think that's the thing that Ty always runs into, Joe, and it's part of the reason why he continues to get criticized. He's the only coach to win a championship in Cleveland in 50-plus years, but... Because he did it with LeBron on his side, he doesn't get as much credit as somebody else would get. And it turns into LeBron gets all the credit, or most of the credit, when the Cavs are great and when they win. And when they lose, it's Ty is doofus and he doesn't know what he's doing. It's like almost a yeah. no-win situation for him. I mean, yeah, that, that takes not just that individual question, but any question like it. I mean, the, I don't know if lazy is the right word, it's just... Um, who, who, who on this team would you want to carry? You? Right. Like, yeah. Exactly. You know, I remember one time. Uh, this this was in the Pistons series, so that would have been what two years ago, the championship year. Yeah. Um. In game two, uh, Ty made a change, and he put LeBron in with the second unit. That was Kyrie's job in game one. Yes, yes, I remember this. Right, and so LeBron took took that role in game two, and the Pistons weren't ready for it. They didn't adjust. The second unit blew their doors off that day. And so I thought I had a nice little, you know, screw you question to Stan Van Gundy. And I'm like, hey, you know, in the second quarter, this is the adjustment the Cavs made. You didn't adjust why. And Stan's just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's really smart coaching. That's, 
that's really deep, you know, to take LeBron and play him more. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I can't believe Ty's so smart that he thought of that. Like, and the point was that it's just it's obvious. Like, when you have LeBron, that's who you should play through. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I'm just, I think a lot of it, 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 we're tired of just playing loose, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think he's had a bad series so far. All right. Uh, what do you expect to see in Game 3? Do you have any idea? Yeah, I do. I mean, assuming that Kevin's all right, um, yep. you know, that they all insisted that he was, so fine. Um, I I, uh, I expect a another tight game. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I think that one of the Cavs who hasn't played well will play a little better. Not sure who that is. Okay. <laughs> that's that's always the hardest thing to pinpoint is which one right like you you keep right. waiting for it to happen and you expect it to happen but it's like pinpointing which guy is is so so difficult at this point because they're all inconsistent because they're all role players right that's true very much all right buddy good stuff Let's see what happens in uh game three friday night quick turnaround for the Cavs, that's for sure yes sir